Last year, uh, more children, Chase, Abby, and Serenity were involved in Club 305. Uh, we were really sad when we found out that they had to leave Club 305 because they were moving to another town. This year, they came back to Parsons um, under some unfortunate circumstances. They moved back into uh, the neighborhood, the block, and started going to Parsons again. So while we were sad that things were rough for them, we were very glad that they were coming back and could be a part of Club 305 again. Everyone at Club 305 loves the Moore family. Those three kids are some of our uh, sweetest, kindest, and well-behaved children. It was a great joy for all of us to have them come back and be with us. But as we were praying um, during our normal prayer time as a team, uh, we realized that they had a lot of needs that needed to be met. Um, they were coming back to a home that they needed furnishings for, and, um, and so uh, the team really stepped up and they came together and filled the need that Ramona and her kids had. When we found out what the needs were, it was amazing to see how God answered those prayers. We had people saying, I can donate a refrigerator, I've got a bed, we've got this and that, and it was good to see how God used this group to help fill the needs that they were gonna have. We had an extra refrigerator in the garage, yep. so we were able to donate that and hopefully help them out. We were so glad to have them back because those are three of the nicest kids that I've ever run across. And anything that we could do to help them was actually a gift for us. And we were fortunate to be able to have somebody donate some money that we stuck inside the refrigerator. So at least yep. we made their Thanksgiving a little better. Yep. She'd never met us before that, had the biggest hugs, and you could tell the appreciation was really there. First I got um, Ma, part of mom's bed and... Um, she got the big one. Yeah, I got the big one. <laughs> she got the small one. Thank you for bringing over everything that we needed. We appreciate everything that you brought over. Thank you to everyone who brought things to our house. This is a great example of how we as a church were able to step up and come around this family and meet their needs. And we're excited to see how they continue to grow in their faith in the days ahead. Hello and welcome to First Christian Church again. I'm really glad you're with us in worship. It's one of the habits of our congregation that when we have a new staff member joining us on the stage from, from a, if you will, a preaching point of view, we like to introduce the congregation to that person in a special way. Jonathan Grundon came to our staff more than a year and a half ago now. He and his wife come to us from Michigan, but it's important to know that Jonathan actually grew up here in Decatur, just down the road at Riverside Baptist. So we thank Riverside Baptist for their influence upon the life of our congregation. Jonathan's role and responsibility here is in regards to adult education. But it's always a pleasure to hear from our staff members as to what scripture is saying to them, how the Holy Spirit is working upon their lives. So, on my behalf, would you please welcome today Jonathan Grundon to our pulpit as we hear God's word for all of us. All right. Well, good morning. I just want to say that welcome again. As Wayne mentioned, my name is Jonathan. I'm part of the pastoral team. And I just want to welcome you again here in the West Auditorium, as well as those of you who are worshiping with us in the East Auditorium. And I want to invite you to take out your Bible this morning and turn to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are some in this room here in the West Auditorium and available in the pew rack in front of you. 
And for those of you in the East Auditorium, someone is walking around with Bibles right now and they would love to hand you one. Again, I want to welcome you. And as we begin this morning, I want to tell you about my best friend in high school. We'll call him Jeremiah, mostly because that's his name. And, <laughs> okay. Um, Jeremiah, to this day, is one of my favorite people in the world. I absolutely love this guy, even though we never get to spend time together anymore. Um, but he's also one of these people who, when we were in high school, his understanding of fear was very different than my understanding of fear. And he was one of those guys, when he got bored, it would occur to him to do things that might not normally occur to other people. Maybe you know someone like that. I'm just looking to see if anybody nudges anybody. Okay. So Jeremiah lived on a farm not far from here, and he owned a three-wheeler. And if you're not familiar with a three-wheeler, it's like a four-wheeler, just minus any sense of stability. And so one day, Jeremiah got this idea that it would be great for the two of us to get on the three-wheeler together. Now, a moment of honesty. I've always kind of been a bigger guy. And Jeremiah was not exactly a small human being. And the two of us together were not meant to be on this three-wheeler. But I didn't want to be a wimp, so he jumped on. I jumped on behind him, and I held onto the bar behind my back as tight as I could. So we began riding through the fields. Dirt is flying everywhere. And I have had way too much fun at this point, way beyond my capacity for fun. And he apparently has not had enough fun yet. So he decides that we're going to take the three-wheeler and go across the road into the fields across the street. Only these fields didn't belong to his family. Apparently, that upped the fun factor somehow. And you know, you know how they say the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence? Well, the fields are not always smoother on the other side of the road. So we're riding in these fields, and all of a sudden, I realize there is no way I can stay on this three-wheeler by holding onto the bar behind my back. So in a moment of absolute desperation, I let go of the bar, and I reach around my friend, and I snuggle him tight and hold on to him as we ride this three-wheeler together. To this day, we have never spoken about what happened in that moment. <laughs> And I also realized, had you been driving by the farm that day and seen us huddled together on this three-wheeler, it might have looked a little bit like the bear at the circus who rides a tiny motorcycle. <laughs> and one last thing, if you happen to be that farmer and you're here today, I just want to apologize about 20 years too late. So as we're riding through, all, this, all of a sudden, you know, dirt's going everywhere, and I hear something, and it's loud enough I can hear it over the whine of the motor. I turn around, and as I look back, I see two brown shapes emerging towards us very quickly. And in moments, they're right behind us, and they're barking, and they are, <clears throat> like, tracking every move the three-wheeler makes. Remember who's on the back of the three-wheeler, by the way. I am absolutely terrified. And so I'm, I'm holding on to my friend. I'm starting to slide backwards, and you know what happened next? We're going to get that in a few minutes, so... <laughs> Before we do, though, <clears throat> I want to tell you another reason I wanted to mention my friend Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah was one of the first people in my life who helped me realize that faith isn't just a solo journey. Yes, our faith is about a relationship with God. It's, it's ultimately about our individual relationship with God and, and how we're committed to him and how we love him and what he's done for us by sending Jesus to rescue us so that we could have that relationship in the first place. But it isn't only about that relationship. It's also about a relationship with one another. And God designed us that way. In fact, from the very beginning, we were created for community. As you look at the opening chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, we see that God created everything and he said it was good. But then in chapter two, we see that he, see that he said there was something that was not good. He said it was not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve. And yes, God created Eve to have relationship with him, but he also created Eve to have relationship with Adam because he knew they needed that relationship. And the same is true for us, because God designed us that way. 
As we look at the Bible over and over again, we see that the authors of the Bible describe God as three divine persons, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call it the Trinity. And it's one of the mysteries of our faith that God is somehow three, it's still one holy God. In other words, God exists in deep and intimate community. And we read in Genesis 1 that God created us to reflect him. He created us in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We notice that God said, let us create mankind in our image. God exists in community. And if God created us to reflect him, he created us in his image, and God is in community, then we should also be in community. Yes, with God, but also with one another. And as we look at the Bible, we see throughout the history of the Bible, God's people have lived in community. And as we look at Acts chapter 2, we see the beginning of the church, we see that they lived in community as well. The book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, and it follows four books that are biographies of the life of Jesus. One of those books is called Luke, and the book of Acts is actually the second half of the book of Luke. It describes what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven and how the church got its start. So in Acts chapter 2, we see the beginnings of the church. Before Jesus left, he said that he told his disciples that when he left, the Holy Spirit would come. And in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, we see that, same, that exact thing happening. The Holy Spirit comes and the church explodes. And so in the, the end of Acts chapter 2, we see what that first church is like. I'm pretty sure they didn't have Facebook, Facebook back then, but if they had, this would have been the bio for their Facebook group page. So let's look together in Acts chapter 2. At the very end of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, we hear about this first church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." When I look at this, what I love about this is the intentionality this first church had. In the very first verse, verse 42, we see that they did four things together. They listened to teaching on God's word, they spent time in community, they took communion regularly, and they prayed together. Sound like any church you've ever heard of? My suspicion is it sounds like a lot of churches you've heard of, because what this group of people was doing is foundational to what it means to be the church. So let's take a closer look at some of the things they did. In verses 44 and 45, we read, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And that's awesome. This group of people was so concerned about one another, so concerned about serving one another and the world around them that they sold things they probably liked and even wanted to make sure that the people around them had what they needed. And as a church, we wanna be about that as well. We wanna be about stories like the Moore family. We love the Moore family. We're so glad they're a part of who we are as First Christian Church, and we want to continue to be about that together as we meet together. Let's check out what happens, what else they did in verses 46 and 47. <coughs> it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here we see two intentional environments that this church met in. They met in the temple courts to worship and they met in each other's homes. And for the sake of today, because I know how much you like crowd participation, we're gonna call them rows and circles. And I want you to do that with me, ready? One, two, three, rows and circles. Now everyone, one, two, three, rows and circles. Good job, all right. I won't make you do anything else, okay? So they met in rows in the temple courts. They met shoulder to shoulder, just like you and I are right now. And maybe they didn't have any pews, Probably they didn't, but they gathered together for worship. They gathered together to pray. They gathered together to learn from God's word together, just like we are right now, because that's exactly what we need to be doing. We need to gather in rows as a family of believers, and we need to learn together from God's word, and we need to pray, and we need to worship together. But they also met in circles. They met in each other's homes. They met to encourage one another and challenge one another and help one another become more like Jesus. You see, they were connected in worship but they were also connected in everyday life. They didn't just run into one another at Starbucks. They didn't just run into one another picking up their kids from school. They walked life together. And I'm convinced that's exactly what God desires for us too. And in fact, that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks in the Devoted Together series. We've talked about what it means to be devoted to Jesus and how we do that together as a congregation. As Pastor Brian mentioned last week, a word that's commonly used in churches for this is the word membership. And membership is is an okay word for that, but it it leaves us thinking, well, what do we get out of it or how do we belong? And really, it's not about what we get or how we belong. It's about who we are as a body of Christ. It's, It's about what it means for us to connect and love one another as we love God together. Or as Sister Sledge put it in their 1979 song, we are family. Thanks, Tim. I got all my sisters and me, and brothers, by the way, too. Okay, we're done. And now you know why I don't lead worship. (laughs) Now, I want to be clear about something. Some of you, maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been journeying with us for a while, and you're you're newer to the life of the church. You still have questions. You're still exploring faith. We want you to know that we're so glad that you're here. We're not asking you to commit to us in that way. Uh, We're not going to ask you to get our loyalty card and swipe it at the register as you leave today. We're not going to ask you to get our debit card and save 5%. We'll let Target do that. But... Um, what we do want to do is talk about what it means to be devoted together, what it means to live life together. Because as Pastor Wayne said a few weeks ago, we, we don't want to just look real. We want to be real. And as Pastor Brian said last week, we, we don't want to take the athleisure approach to church. We want to be about running after God and doing the things that he's called us to do together as a congregation. And so starting next week, as Pastor Wayne mentioned, there's going to be an opportunity to begin making that commitment. Whether it's your first time to commit to that or whether you've been a part of the life of this church for many, many years and God is just is asking you to make that recommitment with us. If you happen to miss either of those two sermons I mentioned, please go on the website this week and check those out. If you go to firstdecatur.org, there's a button at the top that says sermons and it will take you to our new sermons page and you can check that out and catch up with what we've been talking about. But as we continue to talk about what it means to be devoted together, I'd invite you to take out this insert in your program today that says Devoted Together Covenant. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) And what this is, is this really describes the commitment that we're making as we're devoted to Jesus and how we do that together as a congregation. And so last week, Pastor Brian talked about what it means to worship. He talked about the things on the bottom of this page. Today we want to talk about growing and serving together, and we're going to talk quickly through those things and talk about what they mean 
But I would encourage you to take this home with you this week and read through these and read through the scripture that's listed below and think through what that commitment means for you. But let's go ahead and dive into growing together. The top two bullet points there say, we grow together by following church leadership and by acting in love toward other members. And if you've ever been a part of a church where one of those two things is not right, you know how difficult that can be for a body of Christians. So as a church, we wanna be about that. We wanna be about respecting our leadership and really being intentional about loving one another. And when we do that, we get to show the world what the, the body of Christ is really supposed to be about. So we do those two things. When we, also, when we grow together, we also grow together, a little redundant, by participating in grow together opportunities. No, I don't get paid every time I say grow together, just so we're clear, okay? <clears throat> but the truth is, as we look at this, this uh, Acts chapter two passage, we wanna be about creating space in our life where we have circles, where we have people who are journeying with us and encouraging us and helping us to be more like Jesus. So as a church, we have a lot of opportunities to step into relationship with one another through grow together small groups and Sunday school classes, through equip classes, through men's ministry and women's ministry and college ministry, because we believe it's so important that we connect in circles, that we, we connect in places where we can grow together. So we wanna be about growing together, we also wanna be about serving together. <clears throat> as you can see, the first two bullet points there say that we wanna to serve together by discovering our gifts and talents and by developing a servant's heart. <clears throat> the truth is that God desires for each of us to use the gifts and abilities and resources that he's given us to serve one another and to serve the world around us, just like the Acts 2 church. And so some of you are here today and God has given you an incredible ability to encourage other people. Some of you are here today and God has given you the ability to teach or to lead or to lead other people in groups. And God wants you to use that within the body of this church and as well as in the community around us. Some of you are here today and God has given you a deep passion for our community. And God desires to, for you to use that in our community, to serve people. And as a church, we wanna be about empowering people to do that. Some of you are here today and you bake delicious treats, like cinnamon rolls, <clears throat> like the ones we're gonna eat at the men's breakfast this coming Saturday. And you should do that. <laughs> Seriously, you should. Because the truth is we don't wanna just be about serving together, we wanna be, or about serving, we wanna be about serving together. And so as a church, we have a variety of ways you can plug into those opportunities as well both in our, our worship arts team here on stage and our technical arts team, our hospitality team, our family ministries team, our creative team, our kitchen team, our support team, and our cafe as well in a variety of other ways, but also in the context of our community through ministries like Club 305, like we just saw a couple minutes ago, through the block, through Arts Academy, through Chaplaincy, through 10 Plus Men, through Good Samaritan Inn. We wanna be a part of God's story in the world around us. Because the truth is, we are the church. The church isn't about this building, it's not about our pastors and staff, it's not about our programs, it's about who we are and how we are the church to the world around us and how we are the church to one another. In the Bible, there are 59 instructions on how we are to treat one another. And I thought I would recite all of them for you right now. Just kidding, we're not gonna. But, but we are gonna look at a few of them. The first one we've already talked about, love one another. And then we wanna serve one another, accept one another, forgive one another, greet one another, bear one another's burdens, be devoted to one another, honor one another, teach one another, submit to one another, and encourage one another. 
In other words, if we are going to be the body of Christ, we need to do these things toward one another. And the cool thing is that when we do that, Jesus says, the world around us gets to see what he is like. I love the way one pastor put this. He said, the most powerful form of evangelism is a community of Christians, one anothering, one another. The most powerful form of evangelism is a community of Christians, one anothering, one another. And here at First Christian Church, we wanna be about that as we meet in rows, but we also believe it's important that we do that as we meet in circles. Because the truth is we do wanna grow and we do wanna serve and we wanna do that together, but we don't only do it for that reason. We do it because we believe God has things for us that can only happen best in circles. And one of those things is that when we journey life together, we get to step into the mess of one another's lives. We, because the truth is that community is messy. And I know some of you are thinking, wow, that sounds amazing. Where do I sign up for that? <clears throat> but the truth is that we know that that's something that we really need. We need people who can see who we really are, who can see the mess in our lives and know who we really are. Let me put it this way. When my wife and I have guests over to our house, yes, we clean the house. Yes, we try to make sure it doesn't smell weird. But we, all, but we also sometimes take things that normally lay around our house and put them in our bedroom and shut the door. Now, why do we do that? Because it's not because any of those things are unusual. It's just because things that are very normal to us might appear as clutter to someone else. And we want our guests to believe that we are neat and organized in every fashion of our life. And the truth is, I think sometimes we bring that same version of ourselves to church. We bring the guest-friendly version of ourselves to church. We want to look nice and neat and clean and have everything be the way it's supposed to be. And I totally understand that. That level of vulnerability takes time and it takes trust. And that's very difficult to happen in rows. But over time, it can happen in a circle. And the reason that's important is because it's too easy to show up here week after week and sit in rows and worship and pray and learn together, which are all great things and things we should be doing, but then never actually grow because we don't have people in our lives who know who we really are, who are willing to help us move along. See, community is about having somebody in our life who can ask us, how are you doing today? And not accept good or fine as an answer. And by the way, I counted this morning and I lost count of how many times somebody said, how are you doing? I said, good. And they said, me too. Because that's how we are. We, we need people in our lives who can ask us how we're doing and we have the freedom to say, you know what? I'm really not doing that well or I could really use prayer for this or that. We also need people in our lives who are willing to see things in us that we can't see in ourselves. People who are willing to show us God's love and grace, but also hold our feet to the fire on things that they know ought to be different. <clears throat> Let me put it this way. Um, a couple of years ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop one afternoon working on something on my computer, and I had my headphones in. I was listening to music, and this couple came, and they sat down right next to me. And out of respect for the fact that they were spending time together, I turned up my music and tried to ignore the fact that they were there, even though we were feet away from each other. Well, eventually, I'm, I'm typing away, and my music, my playlist stops, and all of a sudden, I can hear their conversation. And right away, the husband says something, and I think, oh, buddy, I hope your couch is comfortable tonight. <laughs> and the look on his wife's face confirmed where he would be sleeping that evening. <clears throat> and I had this moment where I thought, I got to do something. I should, I, should, I should step into this, but what was I going to do? Was I going to say, uh, yeah, um... I know I wasn't supposed to be listening to your conversation, but I was, and I know I don't really know you, but I'm a pastor in town, and I'd love to help you with your relationship. Of course I'm not going to do that, because I haven't earned the right to do that. 
But the truth is that we all need people in our life who have the right to do that, people who can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves and who are willing to help us deal with those things. So let's get back to why we're really here, the three-wheeler story. <laughs> As you remember, I'm hanging on the back, dogs right behind me, snuggled up next to my friend, hanging out for dear life, and I keep wondering, what's gonna happen if I fall off? It didn't sound like that in my head, it sounded a lot louder and more scared, but I was, just kept thinking, what's gonna happen if I fall off, what then? And to some of your disappointment, I did not fall off. And, and if, that, if that disappoints you, I'd like to pray for you later, okay? <laughs> but we go on like this for what feels like forever. And eventually my friend drives into a ditch. And you know how I mentioned earlier, we're both bigger guys, and he didn't always think things through. Well, it occurred to him that if he rode straight up the side of the ditch, maybe the dogs wouldn't chase us. Well, that didn't work. What did happen is that our weight combined with the instability of the three-wheeler knocked us both backwards into the ditch. And as we jumped up waiting for the dogs to attack us, we looked in the ditch and they're both just laying there panting and trying to catch their breath. And again, I know some of you are like, that's the best ending you could do for that story. It's the truth, people, okay? Wow. I know some of you are thinking, why in the world did you tell that story? Here's why. Because I think, I think community or circles are about growth, they're about serving, they're about accountability, but they're also about having people who can journey this life with us. Even when the dogs are behind us, even when we feel like we're gonna crash. And I think the truth is that when we don't have that kind of community in our lives, we kind of live like my friend and I that day, just wondering what's gonna happen. And when we do have spiritual community, we know that people are gonna run to the scene even when the dogs are chasing us and even when we crash, be ready there to pick us up. And the truth is we all know that sometimes life crashes. Sometimes it happens to us in the form of illness or financial struggle or relational struggle or the death of somebody that we love. And sometimes, frankly, it's something that we cause. But having community in our life means that we have people who are gonna, godly people who are gonna be there with us because they're already there and they're already a part of our lives. I love the way that, that they word this in Ecclesiastes chapter four in the Bible. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. As we figure out what it means to be devoted together, we absolutely need to gather in rows. We need to worship, we need to pray, we need to learn together. But we also need to be people who are willing to, gra to gather together in circles because that's the way God designed us and because we need people in our lives who can step into the mess of who we are, <clears throat> who can help us see things in our lives that don't belong, and people who will journey with us no matter what life circumstances bring to us. If you haven't already taken that step in your life or it's time to recommit, I wanna let you know that we have a variety of ways that you can do that, or at least take a first step toward that here in our church. First of all, if you've been here today and you're thinking, I think, I think it's time for me to get involved into a Serve Together group and to do something here in the church or the community, uh, please stop by the Welcome Center following today and, and let them know, and, and they can either help you or they can at least send you my direction and I'll be in contact to help you take that step. Or maybe for you, you're here today and you're thinking it's time to get involved in the Grow Together group and I'd invite you to take out this insert in your program today. 
In this insert, we have a couple opportunities highlighted. And the first is what we call equip classes. And they're, they're inside this, it describes all the equip classes that we have coming up starting in a couple weeks, February 15th. And these are six-week Wednesday evening classes. They're an opportunity to come learn about a variety of topics. We also have learning opportunities for children and for teenagers. And so you can bring the entire family if you'd like to. Uh, but this is a great way not only to begin to learn, but to begin to get to know some people in this church in a way where you can take steps toward the kind of community we've talked about today. If you'd like to register for one of these groups, uh, you can do that on this side. It says equip at the top. Fill that out and drop that off at the Welcome Center today, or you can also find this information on our website. Maybe you're here today and you've thought, you know what, I think it's time for me to connect with some other men in the church or to connect with some other women in the church. And again, I want to remind you that this coming Saturday, we have a men's breakfast here at the church. And the following Wednesday, we have a women's luncheon. And these are great opportunities to learn and be encouraged. But it's also about being intentional, about connecting with other men and women in our congregation. If you'd like to be a part of our men's breakfast, you can sign up in the lobby today at the Connect Wall following the service. And if you'd like to be a part of the women's uh, luncheon, you can call the church office and let them know that information is in your program today about how you can do that. Or maybe you're here today and, and you're ready to take that step to be involved in a Grow Together small group. And all we ask is for a seven-year commitment. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm glad you think that's a joke. Good. Uh, we do hope that our groups here journey life together for a long time, but all we're asking is for a six-week test drive. And in two, weeks, two weekends from now, we'll be in a series on the book of Matthew. For the first six weeks of that series, we're going to be writing a small group curriculum to go along with what we're talking about on the weekends. We would love for our existing groups to be a part of that if they'd like to, but we would also love to form a bunch of new groups around that material and begin to create space in your life where you can grow together with other people. And the reason I know how important this is is because of how important it's been in my journey. <clears throat> As Pastor Wayne mentioned, I grew up here in Decatur, but in 1998, I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan to study ministry. And right away, I got plugged into a great church there, a church that's roughly about the size ours is now. And for two years, I came every weekend and I sat in rows and I worshiped and I prayed and I learned and I had a great experience. But that church didn't really feel like home and I really didn't feel like I actually grew until I got involved in this circle. So in fall of 2000, I became a sixth grade boys small group leader and I have a picture. I'm sure there's a lot of things I should explain about that, but we're just gonna let it be. <laughs> for the next seven years, I got to journey with these guys. I got to walk life with them. I got to see them be a community. And as they got older, I got to be a part of that community with them. And I will tell you, it wasn't always easy. There were difficult times. Uh, sometimes I wondered why I was doing it. There were times where I watched the heartache that they had with struggles with their family and their parents, relationships with girls, and just making mistakes that we would hope they wouldn't make. But what I do know is over the course of seven years, I watched these guys care for one another, encourage one another, challenge one another to follow Jesus. And as they got older, I got to experience that too. In fact, when my, my daughter was born in May of 2006, each of those guys, as juniors in high school, showed up at the hospital to celebrate with us her birth. Granted, one of them skipped school to do it, but we're just gonna focus on the good things. <laughs> what I know about those seven years is despite the struggles, despite the challenges, because of that time together, we all became more like Jesus. And in addition to being a community that grew together, I also got the opportunity to serve with some amazing volunteers who were just like me, doing the same thing that I was doing. And because we served together, we got the opportunity to get to know one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. And as a result of that group, 
I got to become more like Jesus. And then we, two years ago, got a phone call one evening from Pastor Brian inviting me to be a pastor on this staff. And I have to tell you, it's been absolutely fantastic to be a part of this church. I love this church. I'm so grateful to be here. But one of my biggest concerns about coming here is what about the communities that we're leaving behind? What about these people we've journeyed with for so long? And so when my wife and I came here, one of our first goals was to be involved in this small group. And a year and a half ago, we jumped into a small group with uh, nine other people. And for the last year and a half, we've journeyed with, with these people. And I absolutely love these people. I'm so grateful for their influence in my life and hopefully they are for mine in their lives. And every time we gather, it's absolutely magical. That's not true. <clears throat> the truth is, as you know, when you're involved in a group, it isn't always magical. It isn't always easy. But it's worth it because I know that these nine people are a part of my life and the life of my family. And that as we journey together, we're going to grow together to be more like Jesus. So as we continue to explore what it means to be devoted together, it's my prayer that we'll show up in rows and we'll worship together and we'll learn together and we'll pray together. But that we'll also step into circles and find people in our life who because of the time we spend together, who because we challenge one another, because we encourage one another, will be more like Jesus. And not only for us, but so that as we one another one another, we get to show the world what Jesus is like. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> God, you are so good to us. Lord, you, you are so faithful. And Lord, we thank you for the many, many ways that you demonstrate that love toward us, most of all through Jesus, Lord. God, we thank you that you're not a distant God, that you're not disconnected from us, but that you're a God who walks with us personally and intimately, God, that you have created us for relationship with you. And Father, we thank you that that's not all, but God, that you gave us the gift of each other. Even in the midst of our mess, even when we struggle to follow you the way that we ought to, Lord. We thank you for the gift that we have and, and the encouragement that we have and the accountability that we have when we really invite one another into our lives. And Father, I pray that today, as if anyone's here, Lord, and they haven't taken that step to begin their relationship with you, God, that maybe today would be that day. But Lord, I also pray for any of us who, who haven't taken the step to step into a circle, that God, maybe today would be that day. Or maybe if it's been a while, Lord, that maybe today would be the day to, to recommit to what that means. Father, we thank you for the chance to come together to be your body, God. We thank you for the chance to, to be a part of what you're doing in and through this church. And Father, it's our desire to be fully devoted to you and to your son and to love one another so well but that the world around us can't help but see who he is. Lord, we thank you most of all for him, that through him we have relationship with you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.